welcome to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast, where in every episode we explore what is research culture and what should it be. You'll hear thoughts and opinions from a range of contributors to help you change research culture into what you want it to be. Hi, this is Jed Hall, and for those of you who don't know me, I'm an academic development consultant at the University of Leeds. Today's episode of our Research Culture Uncovered podcast is actually a bonus episode, but it still has close links to my season's focus on the effects of research impact. In this bonus episode, I'm delighted to be talking to Dr. Lona Daniels and Dr. Shilpa Nagarangan. Shilpa and Lona are co-hosts of the Research Co-Culture podcast, which looks at how researchers from any sector can work together more effectively. They are both industry-sponsored postdoctoral research fellows at Oxford University, and I've invited them along to talk more about how their fellowship program works, the role of their industry sponsor in benefiting the research, and potentially increasing the chance of the research having tangible impact. And of course, to tell you lots about their podcast. But before we dive into the interview proper, I always like to get to understand people a bit more. So you all know that I fall off bikes and that I eat pies. Um, so which one of you wants to go first? Shilpa, can I come to you and just kind of say, <laughs> sure, ha, ha, yeah. What, what do your friends know about you that uh, that isn't your passion for research? Uh, ooh, okay. I guess they probably know that I've lived in a lot of countries and I love traveling and doing anything related to exploring cultures. So I cook a lot. I like to cook recipes from different cultures. That's kind of my hobby slash passion. I know it's not as defined as what other people would call a hobby, but it's definitely something I get a bit more nerdy about outside of research. Mm, cool. I'll have to see if I can find some interesting pie recipes from you. <laughs> and Lorna, what about you? What do your friends know about you that we uh, that you'd like to tell us? <laughs> yeah, I think um, Shilpa can definitely, I'm definitely going to vouch for Shilpa being my most international friend. So that's definitely true. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd say outside of the lab, um, I'm quite active. I do, I do a lot of CrossFit, which for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's basically a combination of weightlifting, running, conditioning, some bits of gymnastics. So basically just imagine competitive adult PE is what most people refer to it as. So, uh, but yeah, but I also love getting outside and just kind of lots of running and kind of trail running and hiking. Um, and then the other part is that fuels all of this is my extreme consumption of peanut butter. So I think anyone that knows me knows that I love peanut butter. Um, and Very true. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, I can definitely confirm <laughs> this. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much me. Sport and peanut butter is what makes mm. me up. Smooth or <laughs> crunchy. <laughs> definitely crunchy definitely crunchy i mean i will accept smooth if someone wants to give me peanut butter if anyone if anyone any peanut butter people out there want to sponsor our podcast that'd be amazing um, <laughs> but yeah definitely definitely crunchy brilliant that's the right answer from my perspective you know <laughs> if it if it still looks like peanut butter it still looks like peanuts yeah. brushed up smooth smoothed yeah. on toast <laughs> that's perfect <laughs> yeah <laughs> brilliant um so yeah, that's a pity because actually, as you're both kind of food orientated and also outdoors, I could, we could just flip to that. 
or should yeah. we carry on <laughs> should we carry on talking about research uh, i guess we i guess we should uh or else we'd be misselling what this uh what our podcast is all about in terms of research culture um but it, you know, interestingly, I asked you along to kind of get a find out a bit more about your fellowship scheme. So I wonder if you could describe that to the listeners and and how you got into it and how you how you finding it. Yeah, do you want to go, Shilpa? Yeah, sure. Um, so the university actually has quite a number of industry fellowship programs for postdocs, and so the one that we're on is a three year fellowship program particularly geared towards um, people that just finished their PhD recently. I think within four years, I know when we did it, it was within two years of finishing. And you're based in an academic lab with an academic supervisor. And you also get an industry mentor that uh, helps you with the project that you're with. Uh, But you can also uh, do extra things with your industry company uh, and have they might invite you to do other things as well but you do have one main project that is primarily based at the university but you can get input from the company as well brilliant so you you get kind of get access to brains on both sides of the academia non-academia boundary yeah, and, and resources too. You can yeah. do your experiments there as well, which is fantastic. But there is no like set thing that you do with the company versus your academic lab. Sure. Now, fellowships are normally about boosting career or establishing yourselves as, as research leaders. So what are, what are both of your aspirations? I'll come to Lorna first as she'll put up the, the first question. <laughs> Yeah, so you've actually caught Shilpa and I a kind of really interesting part in our, our journeys, I guess, because, um, I mean, Shilpa's just finished a fellowship, so she can tell you all about her new career opportunity <laughs> when it comes to hair. Uh, and I'm about to finish my fellowship in in about eight weeks. Um, so we've been on our own journeys of over the past six months of trying to work out what our next steps are. Um, and really the the kind of the term they use with this fellowship program is to, is to identify the, the next leaders in the kind of metabolic and diabetic fields. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully Shilpa and I will be there one day. Um, but yeah, so I'm finishing up very soon and I've actually got a new position um, that I'll be starting in the government, um, which is not something I ever thought I'd be interested in, but it just, you know, something came up and I was like, that sounds great. Um, so it's a, a position as a senior policy advisor in the government office for science um, within their research and development team that's all to do with like strategy and capability. So it's basically transitioning from the lab and very much moving into the big picture thinking on the research landscape. Um, I guess thinking of research impact. Um, yeah, so I'm super excited about that. And um, yeah, really looking forward to taking a, a deep dive into science policy and and learning lots of lots of new things um and, and definitely the, the industry fellowship massively helps me with that with the application process and i think being able to engage with industry over the past few years has gave me that perspective outside of the academic environment and it really opens up my eyes to the more you know strategic type of research and and just just out of that small niche lab environment that we're in a day-to-day basis so um yeah so that's kind of my next steps mm, congratulations on that i'll have to yeah. i'll have to get your new email when you uh when you have that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, yeah you know we um 
colleagues of mine, policy leads, um, you know, really want to make connections with, um, you know, it's interesting. Policymakers is the wrong terminology, actually, because you know it's really the the ministerial level who are the makers of policy and mm-hmm. um, and civil servants who advise on how to implement it. So yeah. it'd be really interesting to kind of keep in touch with you uh, as you as you yeah, go for forward sure. in that. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. So Shilpa, tell us about your next exciting step. Yeah, it's super super interesting because we've we've actually you know had very similar fellowship experiences and where we've ended up is completely different. So I um, have a role as a senior scientist in a pharmaceutical company, which is kind of what I where I thought I'd end up, but it's actually not in my field of research, which is diabetes and fatty liver disease. And that is not what I expected at all. But I just felt like I, after the fellowship program, I really just wanted to diversify and upskill in a really fast way. And the great thing about industry, which I found from listening to other people in industry and their own career journeys, is that, I mean, it's a job, right? And you get to try new things as you try new jobs. In academia, we kind of get focused on the whole career story, the narrative that you've you you had this passion when you were 15 and you've just hyper focused and you've just gone more and more niche over three, four decades. And it's really hard to pivot. And what I learned by, you know, kind of increasing my network is that it's a job. You get to try new things. You get to try a new job in a new area with a new skill and then if you want to learn something else, go somewhere else. And that was really exciting. I, that's what I wanted as my next step. Yeah, it's great to hear you seeing your career as an experiment and just kind of like there isn't there isn't such a thing as failure. I mean, I've, there's, yeah. there's jobs I've taken that have turned out to be not what I wanted and you just kind of move on. Um, but yeah. great to hear that. Um, and and I, love the, I love the narrowing down because that, that for me is – was always one of the frustrations of um of academic research in that there was kind of almost that as you said that expectation of narrowing where actually you know people like to change and like to explore different things and and if we really truly are (laughs) curiosity led we shouldn't be limited by where we ask questions you know that's absolutely yeah fascinating well really (laughs) really good look with both of those and um yeah okay i bet there'll be lots of people trying to hang on to you in terms of <laughs> in terms of trying to <laughs> trying to establish impact <laughs> from from different types of research in that pharmaceutical company as well <laughs> um so thanks a lot for that um and and next i kind of really wanted to kind of focus on you both coming to as you said the end of your of your fellowships so are you are you able to describe the research you were undertaking and what kind of impact you hoped would emerge from it yeah i can go first <laughs> um so i think the the research i've been doing during my fellowship is that it's actually a bit different to what i did my phd and and kind of first postdoc in which was all all to do with the heart um but my time in oxford i've been very focused on the liver so i've actually been looking at um circadian liver metabolic biology so this basically refers to 
liver metabolic processes that follow a daily rhythm or a cycle known as a circadian rhythm, which some people may have may have heard that term. Um, but really the, the kind of big picture and the impact and why we're interested in this is um, because we know that disruptions to circadian rhythms through things such as um, irregular sleep patterns, shift work, jet, jet, jet lag, these can all ultimately result in kind of metabolic disease. So really where the liver fits in with this is that we, um, our liver is very much involved in kind of storing nutrients during the day. And then during the evening, it's detoxifying and um, basically allowing the, our body to utilize energy stores such as glycogen to keep our blood glucose levels um, stable. So you can imagine that if you're not allowing your liver to go through these nice rhythmic patterns, um, so if let's just say, for example, you're you're eating at the wrong time of day, you're not allowing your liver to go through that fasted period where it can repair, um, that can ultimately result in and really help contribute to metabolic disease, um, weight gain and, and disease such as type 2 diabetes. Um, so really what I kind of do on a day-to-day basis is my project is involved in um, researching a variety of genes that we know are related to this process and looking at how manipulating these genes with drugs can ultimately um, have beneficial effects on liver metabolic health. So yeah, so that's kind of the the deep dive into it. But really, um, one of the journeys I've been on myself recently actually is, um, and, and this is kind of what made me start to think a bit more about impact, um, is that I was actually approached by a company uh, sometime last year to do some talks with them on sleep for effective leadership. Um, and, you know, I, I'm and I, again, my research project's not super related to sleep, but that is that is the big picture. If we, we sleep better, our metabolic mm. health is better, and that's all linked with our liver. So I very much had to take myself out of the, the detail and, you know, pitch at a different level. And that's been a really interesting journey to go on to um, to try and do some of that public engagement, which I think is really sometimes where the where you can feel immediate impact. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting in terms of that narrowing that we were talking about, and somebody you asking a question that's kind of may feel tangential or certainly different, um, a different take on that. So, yeah, thanks a lot for giving that a good a good explore and actually trying <laughs> that because some people feel really would feel like mm, that's something I can say no to because it's kind of not grounded right in the center of where I, where my expertise is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, and, and they're the kind of audiences where you get the the careful questions as well, where you're something you may not have thought about before. So it's, um, yeah, it's definitely a really cool experience. Yeah. I think opening yourself up to different questions is really, really valuable, isn't it? You know, it's, yeah. not, it's not just us that can ask good questions. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I sometimes get the best questions in my family where you're like, oh yeah, I didn't, I hadn't really thought about that. <laughs> yeah. Like a really simple concept. Yeah, absolutely. Shilpa, what about your project? Yeah. Um. So my project is looking at the mechanisms that underlie both, um, fatty liver disease, which is a disease, as the name suggests, where your liver accumulates fat and insulin resistance, which is where your body doesn't effectively, that your body's insulin doesn't effectively work and that can lead to an increase in blood sugar levels. So those two diseases tend to coexist quite a lot in people. And so my research is trying to understand why they coexist. and looking at why one disease is related to the other. 
And so what I focus on is a group of people that develop one disease, but not the other and trying to figure out why. Basically, for example, why do some people develop fatty liver, but they never become insulin resistant? And hopefully that's kind of the key to understanding why others do get both diseases. Um, And that's kind of the main scientific question. But I also work with the industry sponsor in finding new gene targets for both of those diseases and characterizing what their function is and whether they're actually a good target to develop a drug for. And at the same time, I also work with my academic lab where they have access to a um, clinic where we can try to see if some of the research that's been done in this area in rodents and cells can actually be seen in humans. So it's not a clinical trial per se, it's more of a dietary or physiology kind of trial, but it helps us um, kind of understand if the research that we have up to now is actually something that's happening in humans. (laughs) Yeah, so so you've been able to do some um patient involvement in in your research through that connection with the clinic have you it's it's quite interesting so I don't actually do the patient involvement um there are uh, research nurses and doctors Mm. and um, people that are more equipped to deal with the um kind of human aspect of that research they collect samples Mm. and then our whole lab kind of shares those samples in doing different types of research so I'm actually a cell biologist I'm mostly in the lab, um, but I've been able to use those samples, do similar experiments that I would do in cells, but also um, understand more about humans. And we have this huge database that tells us all these characteristics about the humans that those samples are from. Um, so we can make all these um, connections and try to understand the biology without having to actually, you know, be with the patients. Um, yeah which is quite nice for a basic scientist to have that experience. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, I just wanted to come on to how the industry sponsor has kind of helped shape the kind of consideration of impact within your two projects. So, um, Shilpa, let's stay with you um, so that (laughs) people can remember the project and and then, Lorna, you can remind people what your project was when we we come to you. So, Shilpa, how's that worked, that that consideration of impact and the liaison with the industrial sponsor? Yeah, actually, Lorna and I discussed this recently because um, we were not sure how to answer that question. It's interesting because with the fellowship, there isn't a clear expectation on what the impact of your projects are. Uh, it's kind of up to you on what you want to do with your project, where you want to take it. And as I kind of mentioned previously, you don't have to interact with the industry sponsor. They're there to help you and guide you. But it's really up to you to ask for what you want from the company. So if you have a interesting gene that you've been characterizing and you think it would maybe be something worthwhile to investigate from a pharmaceutical perspective you have to pitch it to them you have to make those contacts and find the right people for the next stage and basically convince them and and um, see if they'd be willing to progress that part of your research but they're not there to ask you 
whether mm. there's something that can do with your project. Um, mm. And I think that made it really tough uh, in terms of figuring out the impact because I know I joined the fellowship thinking I'm going to do something great with pharma, right? And then you're doing the project. We did have COVID, so a little <laughs> bit forgiven there. But when when you don't know how industry works, it's very hard to figure out how to be impactful. Even though you have this great resource, you don't actually know what that resource is, mm. you know, in its in its completion. Um, so it was a bit tough, I think, um, while I was in the middle of my fellowship. But at the end, I think I learned to speak up and really seek the impact, really think about what could be the potential impact and find the people that could help me get there. It's quite a long process, but that kind of thing can be done in any fellowship, in any job. You don't need an industry fellowship for that. Um, the only benefit I would say is that you have the context there so that if you have an idea, you can email someone and someone will respond to you, which is great. But that was a hard part for the fellowship. Yeah, so it's kind of ease the first contact, but you know, in in essence, the the same challenges. In other words, trying to work out what's is this a value? Is this strategically important for that particular company? You know, yeah. you've still got to get through those big hurdles. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I think Lorna had a had a similar experience as well. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say. I mean, pretty much echo everything Shilpa said, really. And I think. Um, yeah, I think when you're, you know, I very much went into the fellowship, like Shilpa said, like, yeah, I'm going to do this amazing thing with pharma and get all this big data and really, really be impactful. But I mean, what did I actually mean by that? What I, I still don't think I would have been able to answer you what I meant by impact. And I think if you'd asked me a few years ago, it would have just been like, oh, yeah, you know, the classic impact of publishing papers, presenting at conferences. Um, but I think we all know that that's not that's not everything about impact um but i think in reality that is the key outcomes that come out of this these type of fellowships um but yeah working with with industry has been yeah it's been it's been um i think it's just it just takes time to build the relationship like like any good collaboration um you know you can have some interactions that you're like oh my great that was great energy we can really move this forward and then others where it's just you just know it's trying to get blood out of the stone um so yes it's definitely kind of gone in waves of you know feeling like we're moving forward with something and then meeting meeting another stumbling block with with the industry partner um but i think yeah i think in terms of how consideration is built into the project i mean shilpa and i were, were talking about this earlier that yeah i don't think we really know how it is built into it really um and again i I think that's just to go back going back to the question of like what what is what does impact mean Mm. um and it is quite wide-ranging so it's hard to know how it can be built in and maybe it just develops as the as the fellowship goes on um and you can see that with, with all the different fellows that have been through the program i mean everyone's gone into such different roles um and that that's kind of you know shows how everyone's experience was different and their their impact throughout their fellowship will have been different mm. um but yeah i think at the start at the start it's not like this is the expectation of what your impact is going to be um yeah i don't know if that really answers the question but no that's great <laughs> just that that final bit the um 
I think I did a bit of nosing about on the university's uh, Oxford's uh, website uh, about that fellowship. So, so the past fellows get together regularly, do they? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, Shilpa and I have had, had such a good time on our fellowship program. And I think we're sometimes a little bit biased when we talk about it um, because it is a really nice community. And I think there's over 30 fellows that have been through it now. So every year there's a, we have like a symposium in Oxford and I think whoever can come is comes mm. um, kind of the past fellows. Um, and then every year we have, a meeting somewhere else with all the current fellows so at one time there can be I think up to 12 fellows on the program at once um, and we'll meet as a cohort maybe a few times a year um, and you know present our research and catch up so it's this nice extra community that um, away from just your immediate lab group and your immediate department yeah. um, which is really nice to be part of. I was just going to say that's definitely one of the benefits of the fellowship program. I know both Lorna and I moved from Australia and New Zealand. So uh, coming here and having this automatic cohort of people who are just as confused as you are uh, was was really, really useful, yeah. especially during COVID when we hadn't had any network at all. Yeah. Um, you know, we had only been around for a couple of months before COVID hit and we had to go into lockdown and having that network of of people that are going through the same thing as us in terms of trying to balance this industry academia partnership mm. is super super useful yeah brilliant it sounds like as as you've said you know i'm just reflecting your own words it's been a fantastic three years yeah, yeah it has it has and you know now we're at the end of it but it definitely you know it's been it's been a tough three years i'm not mm. i think i might have aged about 10 years <laughs> in the process in the process so look back at my university card from three years ago and I'm like wow okay looked a bit more younger then <laughs> three years older well maybe it's because of the amount of um of work you've taken on not least of which has been starting to run your own podcast um yeah. which I've really I've really enjoyed and I've loved um I've loved one aspect of it actually really loads more than you know that's really stood out for me which um which i'm gonna steal which is your 60 second unfiltered tips section i, th I think that's fabulous and i i don't believe that there are any new ideas so i'm just gonna innovate by iterating yours um so i'm gonna give you um 30 you know about 60 seconds just to kind of pitch your podcast at our listeners here on research culture and uh research culture uncovered so who wants to are you going to do it as a as a double like that 60 <laughs> seconds or are you going to do it over to you <laughs> let's uh, do a double act just yeah. to fill the the time right. I'm, I'm gonna get my um stopwatch up which you can't see <laughs> even more challenging um are you or i and, going first in our double act you go first. Okay. <laughs> okay. Timer is running. Okay. So our podcast is called Research Co-Culture, which is all about exploring the value of different sectors working together. So we're talking academia, pharma, private sectors, NGOs, whatever you can think of. And ultimately how we can we can better co-culture research. Over to you, Shilpa. And the, the idea behind the name Research Co-Culture comes from a lab technique 
um, which is called co-culture. And that's when you have more than one cell type in one environment and you investigate how they communicate together, which is a great little pun for what the podcast is about, which is all about um, looking at how different sectors can communicate more fluidly and how we can all be in the same environment together. Yeah. So check it out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and please happy co-culturing. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. I always love it when pe- when presenters, you know, I used to do a lot of presentation skills training and top marks for people who come in under the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so well done. You had another seven seconds, but I think you, you smashed that. <laughs> <laughs> So the the kind of other thing I was going to is just fire some questions at you. Uh, and I, I just want them to be, you know, about that research culture environment. So um, we'll do it fire, fast fire, just like you do. Um, so we'll we'll do it in the same order of who responds. So because Shilpa's top of my screen and Lorna bottom, we'll go in that order. Um, yeah. But you both get a chance to hit the question. Okay. okay. Cool. So, favorite aspect of research culture? Ooh, okay. Um I guess my favorite aspect is is it biased to say the podcast? Um it's basically t- just the discussion that comes from it and asking for better. I really love research culture now because everyone it's like a a buzzword that everyone knows about and everyone's asking for it. Um, and I really just like how it brings collaboration, fluidity between sectors, just a bit more open-mindedness. That's my favorite part about what it could be. <laughs> Brilliant. Lorna? Uh, I think it's a people for me. Um, you know, the people that Shilpa and I have met through doing the podcast and now the people that we're meeting from the podcast, like yourself, Jed, and all of your team. I think you meet amazing people who really want change and are very open-minded they're curious so I think research culture is just amazing that we're that it's that having this term now meaning that we can talk more and more about it and and really get momentum going to create a better culture brilliant next question so if I gave you each a magic wand what aspect of research culture would you fix Shilpa I mean the thing that would probably need to change is just getting rid of all the toxicity I mean, that is the one thing that's causing so many people to change their careers, change their dreams because of the toxicity in research culture. But actually, I just think being more open minded about what people want to do and embracing all the skills. I think that is the one thing I would change. It sounds easy, but it's the hardest thing to change. Right. Behavior change, mindset change. That's what I would do. And Lorna? Um, I think mine's nothing new, but it's definitely stopping the publish or perish nature that we work in. And I think changing what Shilpa's just said of people being more open-minded to people's skills and the way that we reward funding could really go some way to reducing that insane, toxic publish or perish nature that we we currently operate in, um, which is just, it's not keeping up with the times either. Like knowledge decimation is not via a PDF online now um and and we all know these editors these editorial companies make a lot of money so that would be my one huge thing i would love to change Mm, lots of lots of effort there on the uh on the publishing business model on needs a wand (laughs) needs a magic wand yeah yeah Yeah. okay i've given you time to think about the next one although i haven't asked it so that you know you'd be thinking about a, a blank canvas here but 
you're both a lot younger than me and I'm kind of thinking, hmm, you know, my career is going to be up shortly. So if I was to put you in my situation at the end of your career, what do you hope to be known for? Shilpa. Oh my God. Uh, I hate going first. <laughs> what would I like to be known for? I think I'd like to be known for changing how research works in terms of I'd love to be in a position where I was responsible for embracing the different sectors and creating more kind of collaboration points that there is no such thing as being in one sector or another. Everyone's working together. And I would love to be part of that change. I'd love to be known for that. Mm, fantastic. Yeah, that um that fluidity would be would yeah. be lovely to see. <laughs> Lorna, give you a um, few I'm, more seconds to think. Yeah, then. I know. I think Shilf has basically taken my answer. <laughs> <laughs> um but I think, yeah, I guess the build on the Shilpers, yeah. I think just you know, being known for someone who's kind of ourselves moved around into different sectors and through all of that experience is able to to create a system where we are able to move between the, the different sectors um you know I think in all different careers now people are not staying in their job for as long as they used to um and I it, it should be the same in academia it should be more fluid um so yeah I think just just having some impact that I've been able to you know, really open up people's minds and make it a lot easier for people to move around and it just be a lighter environment. I mean, sorry, this is going way past your 60 seconds, but I think one of the other things that Shilpa and I have both experienced in working with industry is that when you collaborate with people there, it's a much lighter environment. It's, people don't seem to have the weight of the world on their shoulders. Whereas I think in, in the university and academia, you people are really open to collaborate, but it, they're, they're so busy and they've got so many competing interests that it just, oh, there's always this kind of, like I say, what feels like the weight in their shoulders. Whereas in industry, I think because there's slightly more defined roles, it's a team, it's just a lighter environment and and it, it's it's just nicer. Um, so I think just, yeah, helping create some environment that's a bit a bit nicer would be also good. Yeah, that, that's brilliant. Um so listeners um we're we're running out of time here and i've um i've really really enjoyed talking to lorna and shilpa about their fellowship schemes it, it sounds like you know really lovely way that it's set up really lovely way that it operates and and really lovely that it requires the fellow to be really proactive in how they shape the fellowship and make the most out of it you know that's that's an ideal situation to move on from um, from your PhD research, where you do have that that freedom and still have that freedom. So it's fascinating to hear about that, and it's also been fascinating to hear about their podcast, Research Co Culture. Links to it in the show notes. If you want, if you haven't found it already by by other mechanisms, you can find it by a direct link there. Um, so, favorite episode, final one. I didn't tell you about that one. Oh, I, I automatically know it's the one with Anne Clark. Um, if you haven't listened to it, it was for the International Day of Women in STEM, I think. And um, Anne Clark is someone that works in our institute and she's been there forever. And it was about her lifetime as a scientist 
um, and all the challenges, but also all the like triumphs that she's been through. She's also just hilarious and, you know, takes, takes nothing. She will just go on and get things done. And we loved it. It was unexpected. It was new stories and it was just a blast. <laughs> Brilliant. Lorna, do you have a yeah. different favorite? Uh, I do, yes. I uh, did did enjoy Anne's, but another one that I enjoyed was actually from another professor in our department um, called Leanne Hodson, which is all about fostering a positive research environment. Um, Leanne is actually Shilpa's PI, um, but she's become a really amazing mentor to me. Um, and she, yeah, her whole episode focused on how we can create a, a more positive lab environment um, and create a team culture. So yeah, if you want to recommend anyone checking out that episode, if they want some tips on leading your lab, because um, yeah, she's she's just an amazing person. Brilliant. Um, thanks a lot for um for accepting the invitation to be interviewed on on Research Culture Uncovered, and uh, say bye bye to our listeners. Bye and thank you so much for having thanks us. Thanks so much amazing. for having us. Yeah, and we look forward to having you on our podcast. So <laughs> we'll uh, we'll promote that another time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast. Please subscribe so you never miss out on our brand new episodes. And if you're enjoying the discussions, give us some love by dropping a five-star rating and written review as it helps other research culturists find us. And please share with a friend and show them how to subscribe. Thanks for listening and here's to you and your research culture.